Learn more about Man's Best Friend and the behavioural science behind dog training with acclaimed dog trainer, Kelly Brown. Kelly shares how she put a hugely successful global career in oil and gas behind her to follow what was her true passion, working with dogs and their owners, and created a successful business for herself around this. Kelly explains in detail the underlying philosophy behind her training methodology, which is based on rewards-based reinforcement rather than punishment. As you'll find out, it's as much about training the owners and what is possible than it is the dogs themselves. She also provides some fascinating insights into the hardwired nature within different breeds and how to work with rather than against this. What becomes super clear from early on is that there is so much to learn from Kelly, not just about managing dogs, but crossing over into how we deal with children, friends and people around us. Kelly is super knowledgeable and she does a wonderful job of distilling all her knowledge into an easily approachable conversation. So enjoy Kelly. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Today we're going to talk about man's best friend and dog training and the behavioural science that sits behind it all with my guest, Kelly Brown. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. (laughs) (laughs) So um, that's a good solid Kiwi accent you've got there. Still. Uh, Yeah. So one of the questions I always start by asking my guest is how they ended up being in Western Australia in Perth. So how did you come to be here? Yeah, sure. So that's a long story. So um, I grew up in New Zealand, Yeah. Uh, lived there until 2004, um, and then uh, did my big OE. So started in London, um, then moved OE to op- uh, overseas experience. Right. Okay. Yep. So yep. Um, yeah, so started in London and then um, Scotland and then Vietnam and then came to Perth for the first time. Um, when I was working for Chevron, then um, over to Houston, and then back to New Zealand and back to Perth again. So, right. huge round trip. Superb. And how yeah. long have you been here now? Uh, since February last year. February last year. Yes, yeah, so almost two years. Almost two years. Mm-hmm. And um, is this now home? Or is yes. it going to be home for now? Or? <laughs> no, this is now home. Um, oh, the longest that? I've lived in a place is uh, two years. So, yeah. we're almost at two years. Um, but no, this is home now. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. why is that? Um, so I've you know, lived in lots of different places, um, all with different pros and cons. Um, but I think, you know, having lived in Perth before, it's definitely my favourite place to have lived in. Um, it's got great people, great weather, it's got, you know, great lifestyle, um, you know, it's safe. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's just, it's also... You know, I've lived in a lot of big cities, um, but this is a nice, relaxing place to be. Yeah. I definitely feel like that's where I'm ready to be right now. What did you know about WA when you were growing up in New Zealand? Not a lot. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So I hadn't really heard of it before. Um, and the reason I moved here, you know, um, is because of Chevron. And initially, I wasn't really that keen on moving here. Um, because I'd heard it's too quiet, there's nothing going on here, there's nothing to do. Um, but then when I got here, I realised it was, yeah, it was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. Super. Yeah. yeah. So obviously, um, dogs, animals, dogs, Yes. are, are your thing. Um, where does that, where does the focus on dogs come from yeah. in the Kelly journey? Is that something, you, do you have dogs when you were kids, and a mum and dad, something like that? Um, so always loved animals right from when I was young. Um, we had cats growing up and I did horse riding and so took any opportunity I could to be involved with animals. Um, but my initial path didn't head that way. It was always, you know, go to university, get a degree, um, you know, get a job, get a job, well paid job. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. That was sort of the path. Um, you know, that I initially went down, um, but it's sort of handed in, to all of it. Yes, it's right. Absolutely. But instead of in the back of my mind was I'd always wanted to do something with animals, but just at that time I didn't know what it was. Um, so it was always there. It was always there. Absolutely. Um, and I, um, did some horse training courses. So how to train a horse and I had a horse in Scotland. Um, and again, you know, absolutely loved that and was looking at that as a, as a career further down the track, but, um, it's quite a hard industry to get into if you're not already sort of in that yeah. space. Um, and also because I was traveling around a lot as well, it's difficult to own animals when you're always moving. 
Um, But then when I was in Houston, so I actually volunteered um, at an animal rescue centre while I was in Vietnam. Um, So sort of was involved that way. And then when I was living in Houston, um, my job was quite stressful and I needed a, um, you know, a bit of an outlet to be able to relax. So um, went to an animal rescue centre and started uh, walking dogs. Um, and they had a behaviour qualification that you could go through. Um, so I was doing that on the side and um, got my dog training qualification. So that was the first one um, I got there. Uh, and then, yeah, absolutely loved it. Just loved working is, with animals. and. What is it about animals for Kelly Brown? So I think, um, first of all, I think a lot of animals, we underestimate how smart they are. Um, so I think just the enjoyment of working with them and just seeing them learn and seeing them grow and, um, you know, as they learn and grow, they build confidence, um, which that's, you know, it's really rewarding to be able to see that. So changing their lives. Um, but I think also the other side of that is the people side, which is changing people's lives as well. Um, because, you know, I think once they start to see the, the potential in the dog, or in the yeah. animal, um, then that changes their relationship, which then you know improves the lives of both of them. So yeah, yeah, it's sort of starting with the animal and then seeing what impact that has on the person, and then seeing that relationship build and and grow, and um, yeah, then then the impact that has on their life. Yeah, yeah. So dogs are known as man's best friend. Right. <laughs> what is it about dogs that make them our best friend? Yeah, for out of, sure. Out of all the animals we could choose. Yeah. to domesticate and have pets and make friends with. For sure. I think it's the deep connection, you know, people have with animals. And um, and it's easy to get that deep connection quite quickly, you know. I see... Um, with a dog. Yeah, with a dog. And I think sometimes I only see clients, you know, maybe even once and clients' dogs once, but just seeing that willingness of the dog to want to engage and want to learn and, and want to grow, I think, um, yeah, that's, that's probably what it is. It's that instant immediate you know immediate sort of deep connection that you can get from them Mm. yeah yeah so in a minute i'm going to ask you about like the underlying methodology that you use and stuff but first of all i'm keen to know so so you mentioned before that you work for chevron perhaps like myself um so we do have sort of an overlapping story to some degree but how does how do you go from working at chevron to now being full-time dog trainer Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you can see that from what you said that there was an underlying trend to want to do something like yes, this. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so my time with Chevron, um, you know, was amazing. I, I learned a lot. I had the opportunity to travel a lot. Um, travel was a big driver for me, just, you know, living and working lots of different cultures. Um, but with that came a lot of stress. Um, stress from moving countries every two years, um, you know, and having to meet new people and get established. And then, you know, once you start to build that, then moving another two years and, um, you know, that, that's quite difficult on your personal life. Um, and that was really the path that I had with Chevron, um, was in a development program and just, you know, getting exposed to a lot of different roles and a lot of different cultures to work my way up. Um, and I think that, yeah, it's, it's hard because, um, you know, I, I kind of reached a point where I was starting to think more about my lifestyle rather than my um, career. Um, and, you know, Chevron's career for me was, um, you know, high stress, fast paced, <laughs> moving up quickly and moving countries. And yes. um, yeah, what, although that was great in the beginning, um, I reached a point where I just decided that it was more about um, you know, thinking about what I wanted personally out of life, which was um, to have a bit more of a relaxed lifestyle, to be able to enjoy the places that I lived in fully, you know, to have a bit of consistency and longevity without that feeling of, you know, where am I moving to next and what am I doing next? Yes. Um, so, so it was definitely... tiring after all. Yeah, it was really tiring because you literally just pack everything up, put it in a container and then, <laughs> you know, move to the next place, not really knowing what to expect. Um, which yeah, again, I think while you're younger, it's great, but I think as you get a bit older, it it starts to become, um, a little more difficult. Um, and also, uh, at the time I left Chevron, um, my dad was unwell, um, so he's back in New Zealand. Um, I just wanted to spend some time with my parents too. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yes, I guess sort of the planets aligned and, um, you know, I've got my dog training experience at the shelter. Yeah, which I've been accumulating. That was, I guess... 
Yeah, at, at the time I started that, I didn't know that that's what I was going to end up doing. Um, but because I loved it so much and um, yeah, I wanted to see if I could make a business out of it. Um, sort of that that came to the point where I was ready to make that decision. Chevron actually came to an end point. Um, and then, you know, my dad was unwell and I wanted to spend some time with him. And so the job came so. to an end point or you came to the end of a posting? and Yeah, I had the opportunity to move to a different role um, at the end of that assignment. Um, but yeah. It was at that point I decided now's now's the time to do something else. <laughs> was it was it difficult leaving that? Not really. Not really. <laughs> no, not really. You were probably. I done think with I it. was ready. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, I mentioned before that I was living in Perth um, for two years before I went to Houston, and Houston was my last role with Chevron. Um, and I think I could have quite easily stayed um, in Perth at that point. It was quite a hard decision to, um, yeah. you know, to sort of get moved to Houston and although Houston was again a great opportunity um it was just yeah I think that was the time when I thought yeah it's it's time to time to do something else yeah time to go so how is the the corporate chevron Kelly compared to the um (laughs) dog trainer Kelly yeah I think the dog trainer Kelly was always underneath yeah what is the difference Um, between the two yeah, it's been quite interesting because um, I think in the corporate world, you know, you're dealing with a different type of person. You know, you're dealing with um, senior managers and my, my HR roles were quite um, involved with senior leadership groups. So it was always, um, you know, really high level discussions and always, um, yeah, a lot of analytical thinking and a lot of just um, sort of working behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, and then in the dog training world, it's a lot of face-to-face contact with clients. It's being able to, um, you know, deliver information in a way that they can understand easily. Yes. Um, so dealing with a, a much wider range of people um, and having to, yeah, tailor the information that I'm giving to them um, so that they understand it in the easiest way possible. So there's that aspect of it is, um, yeah, dealing with completely different people, <laughs> you know, yeah. different, different types of people. Must be quite grounding now. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's, um, I think the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, when you have your own business, you make all the decisions, right? And in the corporate world, there's a lot of layers, you know, and a lot of yeah. approvals and a lot of processes that you have to go through before you can get a lot of things done. So a yeah. lot of it is in all that negotiation. Whereas when you have your own business, you make Just a decision and do. you do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you immediately know whether or not it's, the yeah. right decision or whether you need to change that um mm. yeah depending on the outcome the nice thing i mean one of the things <laughs> i noticed since i left chevron because it did feel like i was wading through this like i don't know decision jello mm-hmm. trying to get stuff <laughs> trying to get Absolutely. stuff done yeah um whereas now more the work i do I can see the impact straight away, which then is really rewarding. Absolutely. And yeah, you're exactly right. The results are very tangible. You know, if you explain something to someone and they don't understand and then, you know, you're trying to help them train their dog and it doesn't work, you can see it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. So straight away with the dog in front of you, you can see, you know, how they're responding. Yeah. Um, It's also... Um, because it's a lot more tangible, you can see the results more easily, right? So you can, um, and, and <laughs> I think that part of it is really rewarding too. Gives you the feedback. To yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cause you can say, right now the dog is trained, <laughs> you know, yeah. now the dog's learned that behavior on, you know, and you can, you can see exactly what it looks like. Whereas sometimes, you know, in that corporate environment, you put a piece of work together and, or you do something and you kind of don't really know other than the feedback you get from that particular person, you know, how much of an impact that has yes. on, um, you know, everyone else in the, in the organization. So, yeah, um, I, did a, I did a large piece of work over, was it nine months at, at Chevron? And, mm-hmm. and at the end I did it. Yeah. And then there's just crickets. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it's just right. going into a black hole. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. right. Exactly. Has that changed or done anything? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing too, you know, I found with Chevron is because they had a lot of different roles in a lot of different countries and a lot of different cultures with different supervisors, um, I didn't change, but my supervisor changed. And then I also found that my success of how well I was perceived to have done in the role was directly related to my um, to how well I got on with my supervisor. <laughs> so if I got on with my supervisor really well, you know, I got a really good performance rating. Yeah. If, um, if there were some personality clashes or we weren't always quite aligned, 
then I didn't get as good a rating, right? So it was always very um, much dependent on just one person. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, I'm the same person. I know we get on with some people better than others, but that was the trend that I found right throughout my um, career with Chevron. Whereas now, you know, I can, I don't have that issue anymore. And it's just, it's really liberating. And it just, um, it's, I feel much more freedom, you yes. know, to be able to, um, you know, do what I want to do <laughs> without, yeah. without being, um, without being told. Yourself. Yeah, absolutely absolutely so um yeah it's it's definitely very different and it's um yeah it has definitely been a bit of a transition I think what I miss about the corporate world is just the networking um you know because you've you've got you know a team of workmates and then you're I think you know because I was having so many different global roles I was always sort of networking globally and always um you know seeing different places and it was always quite interesting lots of different things going on um but I think now yeah I think being a um, you know, sole operator um, in the dog training industry, and I think a lot of um, people in that industry can relate to this. Is it's you don't have that regular, those regular groups of people, the, the same people that you see all the time. Yes. Because um, you're always seeing new clients, and you're always bringing new people in, and um, yeah, it's not. I think that networking is is not there, so you've got to actively go out and seek it. Um, yeah. So I think yeah, that that piece I do miss. Um, but yeah, otherwise I'm absolutely 100% happy to have made the, <laughs> made the move. And how does yeah. that reflect into like your everyday life outside of work? Yeah. So hope? I guess coming to Perth, I was lucky cause I'd already made friends here. Um, so yeah, I've got a, and I've also made friends overseas who have moved here. Um, so that's made it a lot easier for me to transition here. So this sort of almost felt like I was coming home, um, rather than going to a brand new place, which, um, yeah, it's definitely made it a lot easier. Cool. Yeah. So tell me what's the underlying principles or methodology philosophy behind the way you train dogs? Yeah, sure. So um, I use what's called positive reinforcement. Yeah. Um, so basic learning theory, the translation to that is positive means to add something, yeah. um, i.e. a food reward or play or um, a toy or um, something that the dog finds reinforcing. Um, so can to add something. Attention part yeah, stuff. can do. Yeah, positive just means, yeah, to add anything. Um, it can also mean something negative, but um, in this, when you add it with the word reinforcement, that means to increase the likelihood that a behavior is going to happen. So, um, yeah, yeah in, in uh, layman's terms, it just means um, using rewards, using rewards to train the dog. So, um, it's all force free, force free, and fear free. So, that means that there's um, no force, fear, or intimidation. Um, and the principle behind it is you um, really understand the dog to learn what motivates them and then you learn whatever motivates them to teach them new behaviors and to reward them. Are there basic things that motivate all dogs or are they? Roast chicken. Roast chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't found a dog yet that doesn't love roast chicken. <laughs> Um, but you know, it depends on, it really depends on, um, the breed, right. And, um, what they were bred for. So, um, you know, all dogs have what's called a predatory sequence. Um, and depending on their predatory sequence, so it starts with, uh, so it's the, it's the sequence that they go through the, the, um, behavior sequence they go through in order to, um, catch prey. So it starts with eye. And then when they look at something, look at the prey and then stalk, um, and then chase and then grab bite and then kill or shake bite um, and then sometimes parade around with their with their prey Um, and then possess which is also also comes into the parade and then dissect and then consume right so depending on the on the breed for example herding breeds are more genetically um, predisposed to um, eye stalk and chase yeah. Right. Um, so there's such dogs as so um, border collies, Australian shepherds, um, kelpies. Yeah, yeah. So the dogs that are bred for herding, herding sheep, um, and then you know your bully breeds. So yeah, for example, Steffies or um, they like. So they find reinforcing the the grab, the grab bite, and the shake bite or the kill bite. Yeah. So um, yeah, those are just some examples. So then once you know what the dog has a preference for, depending on their breed, but also depending on their individual personality. Yeah. Because um, that can that can change things a bit as well um then you use that in play to to reward the dog so for example if it's a herding breed you might just gently roll
control a ball so that they can stop and control the movement of the ball once they've done something correct. If yeah. it's a if it's a staffing, so they get to do what they yeah, like to do. Absolutely. What, what motivates they're wired them. to do. Yes, absolutely. So it's not just going, you're a dog and you like food. Yeah. <laughs> right, because a lot of dogs as well are not highly motivated by food. Um, right. Yeah, so they, they find play more reinforcing. Hmm. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's understanding what it is in particular that dog likes, whether it's food or a particular type of food or adding movement into the food even. Um, and then it's, uh, yeah, what, what, so what part of the predatory sequence do they like? And then how do you incorporate that into the training to reward them so that um, that increases their motivation right. to want to do whatever it is that you're trying to teach them? That's really cool. Yeah, it's very, very different to the old school dominance-based. Yeah, so traditionally, dogs were trained um, using, you know, force and fear and intimidation. So, um, you know, you must do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and then pushing, chains. yeah, choker chains, and, and which is still used, you know, by a lot of trainers today. Um, yeah, prong collars and um, yeah, all sorts of all sorts of aversive tools that basically make the dog do it because they have no choice. Yeah. Or if they don't do it, then they get punished using that particular tool. Um, same as shot collars as well. Shot collars. So it keeps them quite to. contained. It does. Within. Unfortunately, what it does is it shuts the dog down. So it doesn't. They they become fearful of doing anything wrong um, because they get punished when they do it wrong. Um, and then that yeah, it shuts them down and stops them from wanting to learn and wanting to do things. Mm. Um, and it's yeah, you get a very very different dog at the end of that. Um, right. Yeah. Whereas if. Yeah, whereas if, I say, if you're positively rewarding the dog, mm-hmm. then they're wanting to do more and more. Yeah, and absolutely. do I take it then that if they do something such as piss on the carpet, you don't then <laughs> play with them? You don't. No, correct. So you yeah. remove the, the positive attention? Yeah, so uh, with... The positive um, reinforcement? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the easiest way to think of behaviour modification is um, you manage the environment so that the dog physically cannot do the unwanted behaviour. Right, so say for example, peeing on the carpet. What you would do is um, restrict the dog's area so that they, or, or pick up the rugs or pick up whatever it is that pe- they're peeing on so that they can't physically do it. Yeah. Or have you have them attached to you on lead when you're walking around the house. Or keep, yeah, keep them, you know, in a separate space where they've got a toilet area. That would be the first thing. So use management so that they actually physically cannot do that behavior. Right. Because the more they do the behavior, the more it's strengthened. Yes. And the more it's strengthened, the harder it is to change. Yes. Yeah. So number one is always management. That goes for any behavior. If it's jumping up, then you have them on lead so that they physically can't jump up on people. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if it's running away, then you have them on a long line so that they can't run away. Yeah. So number one, always management. And then number two, um, you know, looking at the behavior itself and working Mm. out how you can teach an, an incompatible alternative behavior. So, you know, peeing on the carpet can be for a number of reasons. It can be could be a medical reason, so you want to rule that out first. Could be um, just because of the built-up habit of doing that, right? So that's where you use your management. Yeah. And then what you want to do is the third thing is um, rewarding them for doing the correct behavior. Right. So you would give them plenty of opportunities to pee outside. You would reward them heavily for peeing outside. Um, and then you would create a habit for doing the right thing. Yes. So with that combination of management to prevent them from doing the behavior and then rewarding the right behavior, then that's how you create behavior change. This just sounds like, this also sounds like parenting. Yeah, I've heard there's a lot of similarities. And and just dealing with people. Uh I mean, Mm -hmm. how many times have I sat in the office in the last couple of years and basically said to, in my leadership role, let's not pat the dog on the head for pissing on the carpet. (laughs) And it's not that we have a dog in the the office, it's the fact that, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very logical, you know, and I think having a psychology background, so that's what I did at university. Um, yeah. It, and then having all that experience with people, right, because that was in my HR. job in HR was dealing with people all the time, all sorts of different people. And then learning about dog behavior and doing my dog training qualifications mm. is, um, you know, the learning theory is based on human learning learning theory. You know, the the... Um, learning theory I mentioned before positive reinforcement that's a, a quadrant of human learning theory yeah, yeah. which is which applies to dogs um, so yeah there's a lot of similarities and it's um, a lot of it is just common common sense yeah yeah it's not um, it's not complicated it's just I think 
you know, what I see is a lot of people are just misinformed. You know, there's a lot of information out there that um, is either outdated or, or incorrect or just doesn't make sense. But, um, you know, because there is so much information, people don't know what to do. Um, yes. And a lot of people, when I go so to see them... back to... Yeah, what they've learned or what, what they've been they've told learned. or what they've seen on a Facebook, you know, group or what their friends have told them or, you yeah. know, so they, yeah, they rely on that. They try it. It usually doesn't work. And then that's when they come and see me. So, um, yeah, I think people... A lot of people do things just because they think that's the way it should be done, not because they're not open to seeing new ways of doing yeah. things. And then, um, yeah. That's why I thought it'd be really interesting to talk to you today about about that underlying principle of training dogs, because mm-hmm. it's hugely applicable. Yes, definitely. Elsewhere in life. Mm, absolutely. Do you find yourself doing it with friends and family? <laughs> <laughs> Using one word syllable, set, wait. <laughs> <laughs> not, not quite. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> That too. <laughs> yeah. Drink now. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think really there's really, well, yeah, you, you're probably right, but I think that, that hasn't changed for me because I've always done that, you yeah. know, right from when I started my HR career and, and had my interest in human psychology and, um, yeah, I've always sort of been able to try that. And it's, yeah, nothing's really changed. It's just, I almost feel like my subject has changed, you know, instead of people dealing with people, I'm now, you know, dealing with dogs, but also dealing with people because I would say 80% of what I do is um, helping people, helping educate people. That was going to be my next question. How much of it is the dog? Yeah. How much is it the owner? I would say 80%, about 80% of it is teaching the owner. Mm -hmm. So technically you're a dog owner trainer. Absolutely. Not a dog trainer. <laughs> Not a dog trainer. <laughs> I started out being a dog trainer. <laughs> yeah. But then I realized that it wasn't really just about training the dog. Yeah. Know? Because, you know, training the dog would be somebody gives me the dog and says, right, train my dog. Yeah. Um, and that's not what I do because the biggest part of it for me is educating people on how to continue that. And I think that's where mm. a lot of people fall down. Um, you know, the, training the dog, the dog is easy for me, but it's, it's train. I need to train the people so that they can continue what I'm doing, which will have a long-term impact because they've, you know, they have the dog, they can do it every day, even just five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day. And if they know what to do and how to do it, um, then that's going to make it, you know, have a much bigger impact than me just having an hour with the dog. Do you find, um, some of the people that you train, I'm saying people now. That's <laughs> right, it is. Have quite large breakthroughs then. Yeah, in terms absolutely. Of how they, in absolutely. terms of not just how they do do, yeah. do dogs, but do life. Yeah, I think, yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, I haven't thought of this before. Yeah, I think, you know, often in the first session... Um, People are a little bit skeptical. Either they've had trainers before or they're not quite sure what's going to happen or they're not quite sure, you know, how I do things. Um, But what I see is even just in that first session, I see the expression on people's faces change when they realize um, what can be done with their dog. You know, so take, for example, Lucy's walking, the dog pulls on lead and they can't take the dog for a walk. Um, You know, and then, yeah, just pulling their arm off as they walk down the road. Yeah. Yeah. you know, so in the first session, I'll take them through some exercises. I'll show them how to do with them with their dog and then show them how to continue them. And I often see when I work with the dog, they look at their dog and go, wow, is that my dog? Yeah. <laughs> Actually being able to do that. And I see them standing there and I can see them at the corner of my eye and see their expressions as you're change doing stuff with the dog. as I'm doing stuff with the dog. So that to me says it's in that particular case, and this is not always the case, but, um, you know, in that particular case, it's not... Um, it's not the dog itself. It's the way that you work with the dog. It's the way you communicate with the dog. It's the way your body language is. It's the way you're yes. standing. It's what you're doing with your hands. It's how you're holding the leash. It's, you know, all those things put together. That's the piece that I need to teach people, yeah. you know, um, not just the dog, right? Not just to teach the dog to walk on a leash. And then I can see, yeah, that it's, it's really rewarding to see that, um, change on people's faces when they go, Wow that's my dog, <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's, it's, um, it's motivating them to want to do it as well. Yes. Um, because that's the important piece, you know, and, and once they can see that, once they can see that their dog can do it, I think that's priceless because then they start to realize, wow, like, look at my dog, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought they were just a pain in the butt, but you know, look at what they can be like with just a little bit of work. And then so. that opens up possibility and probability yeah, of absolutely. what this little nugget of, nugget of yeah. fun in your, in your life 
can do and bring yeah. and be like. That's right, because that's why they got the dog in the first place, right? Because that's what they wanted. They wanted a dog that, you know, did the, what they wanted it to do. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, when you help them realise that that, is, uh, that can actually happen and, you know, this is this is the first step, then, um, yeah, it's, it's nice. Do you ever meet any people who you think, you shouldn't have a dog? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I do, but I'm not supposed to talk about those ones. <laughs> Well, no, but I imagine there's a degree of being honest in this as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, there is. There Do is. you find yourself having a word with them? Um, yeah, I find a lot of people who... Yeah, I guess I'm lucky the vast majority of people who contact me um, agree with my training methods. Yeah. Um, and so you take some time to explain it to them. Uh, usually they, it's pretty clear on my website. So, Mm. um, I've only really had a couple who have said, I just want a quick fix. I'm not prepared to put in, you know, that that amount of time. Um, so I've been quite lucky in in that respect. I've seen a lot of dogs in the wrong households. Um, you know, dogs that are just a little bit anxious or not confident, but are in a crazy environment, you know, with lots of crazy kids and high traffic areas with lots of people coming and going and, you know, just, yeah, so that, that definitely has an impact on the dog. Um, I think in a lot of cases, the behavior of the dog reflects the behavior of the people. Um, I Mm. see, you know, I see over a hundred dogs a week. So I see a lot of dogs, um, you know, Mm. come into group classes and, um, picking up all this implicit, unconscious knowledge that you probably can't even put your finger on at times. Yeah. But, and, but as I've seen more, I've been able to go, you know, rather than just looking at the dog and saying, right, we need to fix the dog. It's, you know, what's going on in the dog's environment. You know, how much time are you spending with the dog? What does your household look like? Yeah. Um, what are, what are you doing with the dog? You know, are you making sure that the dog has appropriate outlets for natural dog behaviors? Because a lot of, you know, and I saw this, it was, it was even worse in Houston. People would crate their dogs for 12 hours a day. So they put the dog in a crate, close the crate door, go to work, you know, spend 12 hours at work and then come home and then let the dog out. Right. Um, and you can imagine what that would do to a dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Day, day yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I used to see a lot of dogs come in with severe behavioral issues just because of what the people, uh, you know, what circumstances the, the people had put the dog under, either because they didn't know or they just didn't have time or whatever that, you know, whatever the situation was. So, um, yeah, I think it that was part of, um, you know, where the whole thing of wanting to help the people to help their dog piece came in because I thought, well, if you can help the people, help educate the people yes. on what it is that the dog needs, yes. then a lot of those behaviors start to fall away. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, let's face it, if you if you strip it back, you are coaching the dog, but you're not talking to the dog, are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm whispering to the dog. <laughs> Sorry? I'm whispering to the dog. Whispering. <laughs> yeah. Are you, are you the new version of the dog whisperer? You're not the old version of the dog whisperer, maybe the new one. <laughs> yeah. Was the old, the old dog whisperer, he was very much part of the old school of stuff. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, wow. um, yeah very much dominance-based, punishment-based. Right. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so how do what, what was it actually what was it like setting up waggle tales and 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 going right i'm going to do this and putting it out into the world yeah so um it started off slowly which is what i wanted to do um i at the time so i was in new zealand when i started up i finished up in houston finished chevron went to new zealand yeah. um and yeah part of part of my goal was just to have a bit of a break after chevron um, but the other part of it was to do something that I loved, right? Because I'm not good at doing nothing. <laughs> I always need to have something to do. So um, I just started, I actually started off doing a flyer drop. So I printed, you know, 500 flyers, uh, just dropped them all in letterboxes in my neighborhood um, yeah. for a dog walker. So I just started up doing dog walking. I thought it's a nice, easy way to start. Nice and relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> walking, walking dogs. Um, and yeah, just started from there. And then sort of I had a nice, I used to do off-leash um, group dog walks and take them through the forest in Christchurch. It's beautiful um, Burwood Forest, which is just, you know, kilometers of trails and under trees. And yeah, it's absolutely lovely. So I used to go around and I got myself a van um, and kitted that out with crates in it. So I went around, picked up the dogs, took yeah. them all to the forest, took them for an hour and a half walk, put them all back in the van and then took them home again and um yeah so I was doing that which was a lot of fun and that really taught me about uh taught me a lot about um group 
dynamics with dogs. So yes. how to control off-leash dogs, how to, you know, teach them things like coming back to you when you call and how to do direction. So how to teach them to go left and how to teach them to go right with a whistle and, um, yeah. yeah, how to control groups. So that was, that was great for off-leash group stuff. Um, and then I thought, right, ready for the next thing. So I started to do training. So I did private in-home training and put training plans together and, um, yeah, help clients reach their goals with their dogs. Yeah. Um, and then started, yeah, at, at, at the same time, I was also gaining some more qualifications. Um, so I went to the US and worked with um, a lady called Pat Miller, yeah. who's um, yeah, a very well-known dog trainer in the US. Um, and yeah, spent some time with her and, and did her qualification. Um, and then also did a qualification um, here in Australia through National Dog Trainers Federation. Um, so yeah, upped, upped my skill level and then started doing some more behavior cases, yeah. um, some more complex cases. Um, and then, yeah, it just grew naturally. Yeah. Started yeah. teaching classes as well. So, <laughs> and, and, and how do you offer your training now? Yeah. So, um, I do combination of group classes. Yep. Um, so that's for puppies, puppy group classes, as well as adult dogs or dogs who are so fully you... vaccinated and over. Right. So there's, there's the so... young puppies classroom when they're young. Yes, absolutely. Is that the ideal time? Absolutely. <laughs> Very Sounds important. Sounds obvious. <laughs> yes. Every puppy must go to um, puppy school. Yeah. So the common belief, so um, I run, let me see, five, six, nine puppy classes a week. Nine puppy yeah. classes with eight puppies maximum. Um, and one of the questions I ask in my puppy class is, whose vet told them not to take their puppy out until they're fully vaccinated? 80 to 100% of the class put their hand up. Yeah. Um, dogs are not fully vaccinated until um, after after 12 weeks. Um, yeah. And in the first 12 weeks is what's called the critical socialization period for right. a dog. So basically what that means is within that first 12 weeks, you need to expose the puppy to um, as much of the environment um, that you would expect them to be okay with in their adult Later life. Down the track, yeah. yeah. So whatever you want them to do as adults, you've got to do that with them when they're puppies before yeah. that critical socialization window closes at around 12 weeks. It can be slightly later, but that when it 12 weeks to, to be safe. Yeah, yeah. Depending on the breed and depending on the dog. Mm. Um, and so that is um, super, super, super important, right? Um, because if you don't, then they um, naturally become fearful of whatever it is that they haven't seen. Yes. Right? And so then you right. start to get behavioral problems. That's when right. you get the, you know, the fearful behavior. Okay. Mm. So um, the, the, the information that the vets are giving, so don't take your puppy out until they're fully vaccinated because they're worried about them catching diseases. Right? Yeah. Um, so for example, parvo, parvo virus can live in the soil for um, up to seven years. Um, and if you put your puppy on the soil, then they can potentially contract parvo, right? Yeah. So that's what why the vets are saying, don't take your puppies out. However, yeah, the problem with that is once they're fully vaccinated, that window's closed, so they haven't been socialized. Yeah, and then so there's gonna... a medical imperative, Yes. which, yeah, makes Absolutely. sense, but has a big impact. Yeah, for sure. So there's a way around that, right? Which is take your puppy to a puppy class right, where they clean the floors with um, vet-grade F10 solution so that it's all nice and clean. Yeah. And then you carry your puppy everywhere with you, right? You just don't put them on the ground. So you can take them to the markets, you can take them to Bunnings and put them in the trolley and wheel them around. You can, um, right. you know, put them, yeah, put them on a blanket, you can put them in a pram, you can take them in the car, you can, you know, do, do all, all things. those things that you would normally do, but just don't put them on the ground. Right. So, um, yes, yeah, so, so you can do safe socialization. Right. Um, and also, you know, don't meet unvaccinated dogs, right? Um, because you don't know if they've been vaccinated. So within that critical socialization period and, and until they're fully vaccinated, yep. no unvaccinated dogs, but they can meet, you know, socially appropriate, friendly dogs who can mm. come over to your place and then they'll meet, you know, puppies and other in puppy class. So, um, yeah, there's plenty that you can do. Um, to socialize them so that they're going to turn out to be well-rounded dogs. Um, yeah, without you know, being on the ground. Again, same thing with kids and sending them to nursery at a young age. Mm -hmm. I noticed. Anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I sent my daughter very early to oh, nursery. Oh, good. And then, For that reason? Uh, a little bit, yeah. But yeah. then it just paid dividends. 
Absolutely. It's very social. Yeah. The other thing too is if you take them to a good puppy class, yeah. you know, and it's got to be a good puppy class. So it's not a... What's a good puppy class? Yeah, that's a good Besides question. Yours. Yeah. <laughs> Beside mine. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. What, what makes yours yeah, a good yeah. puppy class? <laughs> that's a better question. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So it uh, <laughs> should be a combination of a few different things. So um, should be run by a qualified force-free rewards-based trainer is the mm. first one. Um, the floors should be cleaned with vet, uh, with vet grade solution, right? F10 solution. So they're nice and clean and sanitary. So they're not going to pick anything up. Yeah. Um, there should be a combination of information, right? So information about basic puppy stuff like toilet training and puppy biting and socialization and dog body language, right? So the basics, yeah. as well as some basic skills, yeah. right? So sitting down and eye contact and recall and loose leash walking. Um, and then also supervised off leash play. For a small proportion of the class, yeah. right? So 10, 15 minutes of then an hour long class. About. Yeah, of learning yeah, yeah. how to play together, right? But that should not be um, free for all play. Yeah. <laughs> Puppies should be separated depending on um, mainly on confidence level. Right. Right. Um, because you can get a, you know, a, a big breed, a large breed that's not confident, and you can get a small breed yeah. that's super confident. Right, and so it doesn't really depend on size so much right. at that age, unless of course it's it's play style, and one's bowling the other one over. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got to match them appropriately, depending on um, confidence level, sometimes breed and age and play style, depending on how they're going. Yeah. Right, and then so you separate them, and then you help them build confidence gradually. Right. So it's not just a case of push them in there and hope for the best. And then they all bully each other and, you know, <laughs> roll each other over and they become more fearful and then you develop, yeah, they de develop behavior problems. Yeah. Um, it's just making sure that they're all getting along well together. They're building the confidence slowly. Um, and yeah, other opportunities for socialization as well. So you can bring in different surfaces and different objects and different noises. And um, yeah, so it really yeah. should be, you know, like a crash crash for puppies to help them build confidence to help owners become educated on what to do and how to handle yep. problems when they come up so that they're prepared um yeah and to give them the best possible start to life that you can um yeah absolutely right. sounds so obvious mm, i know <laughs> yeah. so that's your puppy class that's my puppy class yeah and yep. you've got your absolutely. dog absolutely yeah so then i have um level one and level two classes so they just roll on um, yeah. from puppy class so puppy classes you know is this in, something indoors. they could do after 12 weeks or do you leave them for yeah once they're fully vaccinated uh-huh yeah. yeah once they're fully vaccinated then they can come into the level one so that's done outdoors in a, in a park um and then once they complete level one they can move on to level two so yeah each of those programs are six weeks long um with six classes and then um i also do private in-home as well so yeah. behavior behavior and training um for either specific issues or if, if somebody wants um specific help with a with say loose leash walking or um, recall or any particular behaviors. Yeah. Um, and then I also have my new program, which your I'm on, launching. <laughs> your yeah. online course. Yes, my online course, Ultimate Dog Program. So yeah. what does that cover then? Yeah, so that's, um, so that's pretty much everything. It's a really good basic eight week online course. Um, it Is starts with- Dogs or puppies? Any. Any? Yep, can be for anyone. Yep, any age, yeah. puppies of any age. Any age, breed, size, experience level. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter. So, yeah. um, yeah, so that sets up, it talks a bit about, um, you know, how to understand your dog. So how to make sure that you're providing them everything they need on a, on the dog level. Yeah. Um, and then it talks about how to set up your home environment to make sure that, um, you know, they're not doing things like stealing socks and um, yeah. chasing the kids and <laughs> jumping up on furniture and doing all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then teaching them some good basic behaviors. So how to how to behave at home and how to be well behaved so that you can trust them. Yeah. Um, and then we start to move to out and about. So how to teach them to walk on a loose leash and focus on you um, around distractions so that they're not chasing other dogs or, mm. um, you know, running across the road and things like that. Um, and then how to get them to come back to you when you call so that you can have them off leash. That must yeah. be pretty cool because then you can... Not everyone can come to a park. Yeah, that's the thing. The time, Absolutely. Yeah, so it's um, not all dogs are suitable for group classes. All right. Just because either they don't have access to them, so people might live too far away, or um, there's too much distraction in the environment for the dogs to be able to learn. Because it's group mm. classes are quite tough, you know, for owners and for dogs. Yeah. They sound easy, but. Um, a lot of people who are training their dog for the first time, they need to listen to the trainer. They need to try to handle their dog. 
they need to handle food rewards and treats and try and get their dog to do what they want them to do yeah. in a high distraction environment. You know, yes. ideally what you want to do is the best way a dog will learn is you teach them in a low distraction environment, right? Mm. So inside or, you know, somewhere nice and quiet, you get the behavior and then you gradually increase the distraction in the environment. So you might yeah. start in your lounge and then your backyard and your front yard, then out on a walk and then at the park and you build it up slowly. Yeah. But what we're expecting in a group class is, right, we're going to start from scratch and we're going to bring your dog in. We're going to train you. You're going to try and listen to me and you're going to try and train your dog all at yeah. the same time. So it can be quite overwhelming. Yeah. So yeah. not always. I see a lot of dogs come in um, to my group classes who yeah. um, don't cope, don't cope well. So just because there's too much going on. All right, so they need to be a long, long, long way away, yeah. which makes it really hard for them. Um, so for those dogs, yeah, it's, it's definitely really good for them. For people, yeah, people who don't have access to a good trainer, people who have really busy lives and can't make regular class times every week, um, and then people who I can offer a lot more in an eight-week program, you know, than I can face-to-face because there's um, I can take people much further, you know, All in right. each of the different skills because I can show them, they can go away and practice, they can do it, and then they can go to the next level, and then they can go away and practice, and then yeah. go to the next level, and then well, go away and practice. Yeah, anything. absolutely. So there's a lot more scope to be able to um, take the dog a lot further. Cool. Yeah. It's come a long way from, <laughs> from handing out flyers. Yeah, it has. It has. And this is my fourth year of business. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's morphed a lot. Um, from where I started. I think when I started, I just, I didn't really have a strong vision of what it was going to look like. I just knew I wanted to reach more dogs and reach more people. Yeah. And I think that's, um, the online program is, you know, will enable me to do that because I don't have to physically be in front of the person, but I'm still virtually in front of the person. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But I suppose the overall impact you're trying to have is people enjoying their time with their dog yeah definitely definitely and in their own time too so you know if you want to do five or ten minutes here and five or ten minutes there and an hour here and an hour there you, mm. you can and if you want to involve the whole family you can you can all sit down and watch it together yeah must be super rewarding <clears throat> when you get people say to you oh like especially if you turn a dog around yes or just you know and then all of a sudden they've gone from having this bloody nuisance in the house yeah which can then cause distress absolutely because you know you just want to come you just want to come home mm-hmm. and chill out and there's a dog to deal with who's been yes. bloody nuisance it must be really rewarding when things turn around it is for sure absolutely and i think that's the key it's you know it is it is changing people's lives because i think people have an expectation when they get a dog of of what their life is going to look like Right. But, um, it doesn't always turn out that way, <laughs> yes. you know, and I think, um, and we do that, don't we? Yeah. We have this, this is my version of what yes. I think reality should be like, and yes. I've got a bloody death grip on it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's exactly right. And I think, um, it doesn't take a lot. It just takes, um, you know, a bit of time and consistency and knowing what to do and how to do it. Yeah. And I think once you know that, yeah, it, it all starts to fall into place pretty quickly and pretty yeah. easily. Yeah, it's not um, Yeah, it's not overly complicated. It just takes a little bit of commitment. Yeah, and, and even just listening to you now, yeah. immediately I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I kind of half get it now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, the, the good thing about the program is I've been able to lay it out in a way that's logical and that builds it nice and slowly yes. and you can take it as far as you like. Yes. So if you want to go the whole way through and have, you know, an amazing dog at the end of it, then you can, right? Yeah. It's set up that way. A but if you just, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But if you just want to get the basics, then you can do that too. Yeah. It's really as little or as much as you want to do. It's all, it's all there all laid out nicely, logically, based on, you know, working with thousands of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think actually, you know, you asked about a little bit about where it all started. Um, one dog that I, um, you know, that I, I think I had a huge impact on and who had a huge impact on me um, was when I, I, I mentioned before about starting to take on dog training clients in, in Christchurch. Um, and I had a call from somebody who was a trainer up in Auckland um, and she said to me, oh, I've got a dog in Christchurch and um, 
I just need a trainer to offer some settling in assistance. So the dog um, is paired with a lady who has multiple sclerosis. So he's going to be a support dog. Um, it was through Epilepsy Trust. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, she she said, oh, would you mind just providing providing some assistance? So I was kind of thinking short term, dogs being trained just to help. Is him this one of in. these dogs that go and puts the washing in and stuff yeah. like that? That's incredible. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So um, I thought, yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to do something like that. Yeah. yeah I thought maybe that's high an area that I want to get dog. into. Yeah. So sounds amazing. So uh, we arranged a meeting and I went round to the house and um, there was the lady who owned the dog and there was the lady who had found the dog and was doing the handing over and there was me. I turned up to the house. Um, the dog's name was Jake. He was a one and a half year old lab Staffy cross um, and he was absolutely crazy. So he was running all over the place. He was like barking at the fence. He was barking at the neighbors. He couldn't sit still. He was like just completely out of control. Um, and the lady said to me, the, the trainer, she said, oh, I've been working on some basic behaviors with him. And I said, oh, but what have you been working on? And she said, oh, you know, sit and, and wait. And I said, can you show me? And so she tried to show me, but all he kept doing was just going and barking at the fence. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then as the story went on, I, I found out that this dog had not really been trained at all. Um, and I mean, they didn't really, they didn't say that, right? But I could, I could see where the dog was at. Yeah, um, you could. <laughs> yeah and I'm kind of thinking settling in assist assistance versus what I can see here. It's not, you know, it's not really <laughs> matching. Yeah. Um, and so she went back up to Auckland and I sat down with the owner and said, right, you know, we had to start right from the start. So what do you want the dog to be able to do? And, and it was things like um, retrieving her walking stick, carrying a basket for her with things in it. Um, picking items up off the floor and returning them to her, yeah. um, uh, being able to walk beside her in, in her chair, um, yeah, b pulling the washing out of the um, the washing machine, um, carrying things for her up the stairs. So, I mean, it was quite complex tasks yeah. for the dog to be able to do. Um, so we taught him from scratch, or I taught him from scratch, which was an amazing opportunity. Um, and I worked with him for about a year. Um, and now he is absolutely perfect. So he opens doors, he closes doors, he can go and get her walking stick from out the garden, he picks up her um, gardening tools when she drops them and gives them back to her, and um, yeah, he's the, the most beautiful dog, um, and it was a huge turnaround, but it was one of those, what have I got myself into kind of moments, yeah. where I just turned up and I thought, wow, this is way beyond, you know, what I, what I thought that I was capable of doing, but um, yeah, just... The opportunity to work with him and um, really change her life was um, was just yeah absolutely amazing, um, and I'm still in, still in contact with her um, today, and I still see Jake on videos and <laughs> yeah yeah we're yeah, catching up with. So the sort of thing you can have your dog doing by the end of the eight week ultimate dog program. <laughs> Pull washing out there. <laughs> yeah, I just you know, I can put that in there if you want. The idea the, the idea of not having a dog. Yeah. It's already appealing. Anyway, maybe maybe it? as a bonus, I'll put in there how to teach your dog to get a beer out of the fridge. <laughs> you, should. you should. That would yeah. sell. Yeah, it's that pretty easy. Sell. It's pretty and easy week, to I'll do. This week, I'll put the bonus in. That's oh, right. Bring the beer out of the fridge and pull the washing out. Yeah, definitely. I can pop those in at the end. Um, just coming out of dog training and, and, and looking at, at, at dogs and dog care more broadly. How would you say the, uh, I'm just interested in this, how would you say the state of dog care is in Western Australia? <laughs> um, the state of dog care or the state of dog training? Oh, a bit of both, really. A bit of both? Yeah. yeah. So I'd say, um, I mean, I guess I have Houston to compare it against, um, you know, because that was where I was most heavily involved. I'd, I'd say it's way ahead of Houston. Yeah. Um, you know, Houston, millions of dogs are euthanized every year. I think, obviously, a much larger population, but, um, yeah, a lot more behavioral issues, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, I think in terms of uh, training methods, it's still very mixed. You know, you get the... Um, positive punishment side which are the people who use choke chains and shock collars and yeah um you know those sort of aversive training methods and then you've got you know me and other trainers at the other end of that continuum so i think yeah. there is definitely a continuum um but i not think many of you um, about, or there's a few or yeah we've got a yeah there, there are quite a few positive reinforcement trainers um here in wa so it's yeah. a good support network definitely um 
So I think, yeah, it's definitely there if, if that's how you want to train your dog. I think yeah. people are, a lot of feedback I hear from people are, you know, we tried such and such a trainer who uses aversive methods and yeah. it didn't work or we didn't like the way they treated our dog or yeah. we didn't like the, you know, the outcome and, and now it's the it's caused other behavioral issues, yeah. which is the other part of it. It's not just what they're doing at the time. It's the fallout of all that yeah, other stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Cause that causes other behavioral problems. So I get a, I get a lot of those people saying, you know, we tried, it didn't work. Um, we want to, tr- we've come to see you because we want to try and do it, you know, using yeah. rewards based methods. So, um, that's what I hear. Yeah. From clients. Yeah. Um, so it is, yeah. Positive reinforcement world is definitely here in Perth. Um, I think people are moving that way from what I hear of people who are contacting me. I suppose um, it's a job of educating. Yeah, absolutely. It's educating. It's when you see things like that, um, you know, helping to rather than put people down or make them feel, you know, like they're doing something horrible. It's, it's helping to re-educate them in a way where they can see the benefits of how to train your dog using positive reinforcement, yeah. you know, and you can see it in the dog's body language. It's, it's very clear. I can yeah. see dogs. Yeah. That have been trained using aversives when they come to me, they're fearful, they're shut down, they avoid skittish. eye contact. Yeah. They're skittish. They don't like being touched. They don't like being handled. They don't like equipment being put on them. Yeah. You know, you can, you can see that. Um, quite responsive dogs, aren't they? You can see them more shrink. Absolutely. Yeah, they're so expressive through their body language. Whereas, you know, when you look at a dog like Jake that I mentioned before, who's been trained only using positive reinforcement, he just, his willingness to learn and to be engaged and to stay engaged and to, you know, to be involved in the process is just, um, it's, you can't even compare it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, I guess it's a difference in, you know, like I mentioned before, people um, having used aversive because that's what they were told to do, but then realizing it's not what I want to do, it's not how mm. I want to treat my dog, and then coming over to, you know, using positive reinforcement. Yeah. So, yeah. I think um, in my experience, there are people willing to willing to change the ways they're training their dogs. I don't see a lot of the, you know, the world where they're using aversives because they yes. choose not to operate okay. in that Look space. That. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if I see things that, uh, or situations where people are perhaps, you know, not treating their way, their dog in the best way possible, I try to educate in a way that's productive, not in yeah. a way that's, um, you know, putting them down or yeah, making them feel bad. What have you learned about yourself in this journey? Yeah. Um, I think, whatever, that's a good question. Um, I think I've learnt that I'm more adaptable than I thought I would be, right? So I think um, when you go to a nine-to-five job, um, it's different, right? Because you know you're going to get a paycheck at the end of it. You know that you're going to get the same amount. You know you can. There's a there's a natural career path that you can see yourself going up. You know where you're heading. It's all kind of laid out for you. I think um, when you have your own business, it's not like that, right? Because yes. <laughs> you've got to earn your own money. You've got to um, try a lot of different things. You've got to be quite adaptable. If something doesn't work, you've got to try something else. If that doesn't work, you've got to try something else. So, um, yeah, I think I've learned that I'm a lot more adaptable than I thought I would be. Um, also resilient. Yeah, yeah. resilience is, 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 a, um, is something that's important. Um, yeah, and just, that it's so nice to be able to do something that I love, you know, and to be passionate about something. Yeah. Rather than just kind of following a path because you think that that's the right thing to do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> what does the next three to five years hold in store? For well, that's a hard question. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> I think because, um, the way my business has grown is it's just I've tried to grab opportunities as they've come up rather than actually planning for them. You mm. know, like I've, I've known that I wanted my business to grow and expand, but I just didn't know what, really what that looked like. Um, but each time I've seen an opportunity, I've just gone, right, I'm going to try that. And I've tried to grab it and, and grow it. So um, I think that's what I'm going to keep doing, you know, as in, yeah. in the next three to five years is just really um, keep grabbing those different opportunities. I would like to see um, the online side of my business grow. Um, so I've got my ultimate dog program, but I'd also like to offer more programs. So, yep. um, 
in the pipeline next year will be a, a puppy program so ultimate puppy yeah. so how to raise your puppy to be you know the perfect puppy yeah um so i'll have my ultimate puppy and then i'll have my ultimate dog um and also potentially you know there's a lot of people out there who need support dogs um and are interested in training their own dog yeah Yeah. so um yeah just perhaps putting a program like that together which is gonna um you know just train your own yeah now now you're into the realm of beers out of the fridge (laughs) yeah exactly exactly having them with a dustpan and brush yeah (laughs) (laughs) brilliant the way you're at work your dog can do your do your housework for you yeah Yeah. On his tail. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. So I think, um, yeah, just reaching more people, building more online programs, um, yeah, just helping as many people with their dogs as I can. Mm. Um, yeah, in that, in that capacity. Yeah, mm. definitely. So um, one of the questions I like to ask guests is, do you have any sort of um, daily routine which keeps you like, sort of grounded? Because obviously, you know, this is your business. You're on your own. You're working in it. Yes. You can probably get quite heady. Yes, and absolutely. All consuming. What absolutely. does Kelly do to bring herself back into herself and ground? Yeah, definitely. So I think, um, especially at the beginning of this year when I just moved to Perth, it was it was almost like starting up a new business again. So even though I'd had the two years in New Zealand, um, you know, new place, new people, new customers, it was yeah, almost like starting it from the beginning again. And it's yeah. very easy to become consumed by work you know yes. especially when you're in a new place and you don't have new routines yes. um, and you don't have regular start and finish times um you know because you're working a lot from home or you you're managing your own time um and also working a lot of evenings and weekends because that's when people are, are generally available, available. Yeah. yeah um so i think yeah it's important to set boundaries for yourself um which is mm. like i say it's hard to do in the beginning because you just want to you're trying to make money right you're trying to build your business you're trying, trying to put to bread on the table yes yeah so you do what you have to do which is working evenings and weekends and just when people other people are available but mm. um yeah as the business is um growing and and um yeah as things are expanding it's yeah i realize it's important to have some structure to the day um and to bring in things that i enjoy doing which Mm. and it's it's also you know when you enjoy the work that you're doing it doesn't feel like work right so when i'm training dogs and working with dogs and people it does not feel like work (laughs) you know and i know it's not like sitting in the office yeah Yeah. going all right looking at the clock how long have i got until lunch and then you know what time's home time and yeah yeah it's it's not like that at all it's um i love what i do so it's it's yeah it's harder to put boundaries in place because yeah. um i just want to keep going yeah you know it's interesting listening to you talk about you know life at chevron mm-hmm. and then life as a dog trainer yeah and positive rewards based training yes. and you know adverse punishment based yeah and you know the there is an element of the corporate structure which keeps you in a relatively anxious state yeah. about oh, there's, then there's the next thing and there's next yeah. and if you don't like you said earlier on if you don't uh-huh. get on so well with your boss yep things don't happen <laughs> Definitely. you don't get the performance ratings and, and, mm-hmm. and what have you yeah absolutely so it's kind of interesting you know as I sit yeah. here and listen to the Kelly journey mm-hmm. you know there's the there's the obvious part of the difference in dog training techniques, but then different aspects to your life. Mm-hmm. Do you ever yeah. reflect yeah. on that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I guess when we go to work and there's, there's a lot of, you know, and looking at it from an HR perspective, there's a lot of different things that motivate you. Right. Mm. And, and it's hard for employers to get that right. Cause it's different for everybody. Everybody has different motivators. Then yeah. I guess, you know, and, like and yeah, like dogs, right? Yeah. So um, a lot of people think that what motivates people is money, right? But that's not that's not what motivates a lot of people. And they've mm. done a lot of surveys and relationship with a supervisor is the number one thing that motivates people, right? So mm. when you look at if that's what motivates people, when then and you translate that to dogs, you know, if the number one thing that motivates a dog is a relationship with the person or with the owner, then if you can get that bit right, yeah. you know, then you improve that relationship and you improve the dog's life, right? Mm. Yeah, so that's that's definitely um, mm. a parallel about what motivates dogs and people. Um, and I read yeah, an article and, recently that uh-huh. one, of the, one of the biggest indicators 
of a longer, healthier life mm-hmm. is healthy relationships. Yeah, not definitely. Cracking it out at the gym, not yeah, into the drinking, absolutely. not doing the, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Happy, healthy relationships. Definitely. Yep. And obviously, whether that's with your dog as well as the people around. Yes, and in the, and it's a partnership, right? It, it goes both ways. It's for the dog and it's for the person. Yeah. Right. So if you can improve the, you know, improve the dog, then you improve the life of the person, which then improves. The life of the dog, the dog so it's it like, goes a, on. yeah, that's right. A virtuous that's little right. awkward circle. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And going back to, you know, what motivates people and what motivates the dog, finding what that is, mm. you know, is, is again going to help the whole situation. You know, if it's not money and if, if it's not relationship with the supervisor, then what else is it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it's, there's definitely, definitely a bit of science behind it, but yeah. Yeah. So the last question I ask my guest mm-hmm. is... If you could take a little nugget of information and just upload it into the c- collective consciousness so everyone just gets it. Yeah. What would it be? Oh, um, I think the first thing would be... Um, oh, re- repeat the question. <laughs> if you could take a nugget of knowledge... Yes. And uploaded it into the collective consciousness. So everyone just got it. Yeah. It was part of how yeah. everybody just operated. Yes. yes. What would it be? I think it would be work with your dog, not against your dog. Yeah. So yeah. see it as a partnership. Yeah. See it as a partnership, not as um, being against your dog. Hmm. Right. My dog's doing this. My dog's doing that to make my life difficult. Yeah. So don't look at it like that. Look at it as in how can I work with, with my dog to resolve this issue yeah, so that we're a team mm. and we can do this together and so that we can improve both of our lives. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> so if anyone's listened to this and they want to mm-hmm. reach out to you, where can they find you? Yeah, sure. So they can um, find me via my website, um, which is waggletails.com.au. Yep. Um, they can find me on my Facebook page, which is um, forward slash waggletailsdogs. Um, and yeah, that would probably be the easiest easiest way to get hold of me awesome it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today kelly thank you and it's been fascinating <laughs> to listen to the different layers of it you know the behavioral part behind the dogs but then also reflecting on it you know, dealing with people and then your journey with it all it's been awesome it's been lovely thank you very much thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs>